0: All right, everybody. Um, This is a a moment that I've got no game face when it comes to um, just raw emotions. And there's two people, uh, three people in my life that have um, influenced me, not as a musician, but as a man. And and John, I'm going to kind of get to what you've done other than just music. But there's three musicians in particular, um, that through my life of uh, 43 years have given me Um, Just a different kind of feeling. And it's musicians that have touched my soul. Uh, The first was Otis Williams of The Temptations. And ironically, I I finally got to meet Otis um, with my wife about six months ago and spent um, the night with him and Duke Fakir of the Four Tops. Uh, The second is Don Henley, who my wife and I just had our first daughter a month ago. We named her Henley. Androsic wouldn't necessarily. (laughs) And the third is you, my friend. Um, You have been... A mainstay in my life. I feel like I have been a walking billboard for Five for Fighting and for you uh, since, two th- since 2000. And the social media gods finally played me paid me a little bit of a favor a few months back when we connected. And um, this is uh, something that I'll always remember. I don't know where the conversation is going to go, but um, I just want to tell you thank you. And I have it. um, I've had a a mission since a young child to go and share the joy and the power of music. And I've learned a lot as I've matured and my innocence has been stripped away. And um, what I learned a couple of years ago is unfortunately with COVID and with the world being separated, the only thing that can bring all of us together is the power of music. And um, you tell a story unlike anyone else, your lyrics have touched me. And I don't know if you remember the message, but the first time I thought I was gonna be able to meet you was when I was in college. The second time is my best girlfriend back in the day was Lucy Walsh, who yes. um, was in was in 100 years video. And so I, I got there, but then Instagram uh, connected us. So a, a long-winded thank you, a long-winded introduction to a Grammy-nominated singer, a platinum artist, somebody who has defied the odds, has ridden the wave of success, uh, but obviously has made time for people that um, just means something different. So, thank you for being a part of Roger's music tour today.
1: Happy to be with you. And yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, Lucy Lucy Walsh, she was the girl up in the the, the tree in the yeah. Hundred Years video, and and of course her dad Joe. And uh, you know, I guess it's a it's an Eagle segment because uh, certainly with Henley, um, you know, end of the Innocence, heart of the matter, you know, you know all the Eagle songs. What a great. Li- I used to play Heart of the Matter when I was struggling and playing bars. Oh. That, would be, that would be the one cover I would play. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, songs that kind of have a message, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And certainly he's, uh, he's, he's one of the masters at that.
0: Yeah, that, that song. So Heart of the Matter, um, it, it kind of changed my life. I went through a, I'm married to the greatest woman on earth now. Her name is Abby. And I, I went through a life change um, about 12, 13 years ago. And I connected to music differently back then. And I, re- I vividly remember, and I still do this. The first thing I did every single morning is I blared heart of the matter
1: hmm. and
0: listened to it differently. And then before I go to bed at night, I also listened to it and, um, Don Henley, maybe he'll be the next guest on the podcast, but he actually is a Dallas guy, which is where I live, but to bring it back to Lucy, I lived in LA and I, I tried to be a successful actor. And here I am in my music man cave in Dallas selling real estate. <laughs> But again, back to the ignorant part and the innocent part, I was out there and my two best girlfriends, one was Lucy, I didn't really realize who she was. And the other was a girl named Allie. And they both kept talking about how their family were musicians. And I was like, Yeah, right. Everyone in LA is a actor, a singer model. And I lived there for a year, obviously fell flat on my face and and moved back home. And then Lucy called me like six months later. And she said, Hey, my dad is playing in this concert called the Crossroads Guitar Festival with John Mayer and BB King and Eric Clapton. And I was like, what, who is your dad? (laughs) And she said, Joe Walsh. And the other girl, her name was Allie and long story short, she would always reference her pop star cousin. And when I was trying to kind of figure my way out in the world of marketing, I got these t-shirts printed and said, Rogers Healy is my realtor. And I sent to like my famous friends and Allie lost hers. And a week later, uh, Britney Spears was seen shaving her head and kind of losing a little bit of her uh, 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 losing her mind and she had a shirt on the whole time that said Rogers Healy is my realtor <laughs> so her cousin was was Britney Spears but um <laughs> I, I I digress and, and and again John this is just this is just a huge honor and the the purpose of this show is to get to know the artist, hopefully build a friendship uh know what's important to you and I know that we're gonna give as much love as we can to what kind of world do you want. dot or com. Uh,
1: it's .com. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, it's been up for a while. It started, What kind of want.com started as a website for people to make their own videos um, to, to the song world. And uh, we would get sponsors. And, and the more clicks you got for your video, you would kind of pick one of five charitable causes. A couple were troops charities, like with warriors. One was Augie's Quest, my, my pal, my, my mentor, who's- Augie the- Nieto? Augie Yeah. Augie You know, you know, the deep cuts. Yeah. Augie, Augie has a crazy ironic story. He was kind of the founder of life fitness made millions of dollars. sold the company married his high school sweetheart was on the cover of all the fitness magazines. Cause he ran a dozen marathons and built basically the elliptical and tragically he got ALS oh, and, no. uh, but he's kind of a miracle. He's, you know, as he would say, he's going on his 15th anniversary with ALS and, and, um, so, you know, I've been involved with him forever. So we would use the website to raise money for him. And then once it kind of ran its course, we really didn't use it. But now with some of my you know efforts in Afghanistan and Ukraine, we've kind of resurrected what kind of world you want.com to take donations through the blood on my hands video. And now the can one man save the world project. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, the song really I got so frustrated with a lot of these you know, Hollywood entertainers getting on their soapbox lecturing us, and what kind of world do you want? Is, is really about do something? Don't talk about it. If you have if you have a passion, if you have an issue, um, get out and do something. Um, don't just lecture the rest of us. And it's a it's a take action mentality. So I've I've really appreciated the folks who've supported it and supported me, and you who've supported the website. And we certainly in this day and age have a lot of work to do on that front um, with so many crises around the world.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and again, to speak to my ignorance, I, I don't think I really watched the news other than what benefited me until COVID yeah. and, um, you know, keep your opinion to yourself. But when we saw who the president was at the time, I was, I was just kind of let down and shocked and then just saw all sorts of problems that, um, you know, I I just wanted to kind of get involved and being a salesperson. This is how I make my living is kind of being political. But for the first time, I felt like I could actually stand up for something that was so black and white. And uh, your website seems to have similar uh, parallels where people can go and actually help, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's the USO, like I see you have on your hat, but um, you stand for uh, what's needed. And it's just what's right. So um, more to come on that. And before I forget to I post this on my Instagram, but we're going to make a donation for every view, every like, every comment um, to, uh, to your foundation for the remainder of the year throughout the, the show. So, oh, thank oh, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, I want to get into the music part. And this is something where I'm sure there's questions that you've been asked before. But may, maybe just get us to where for Fighting was birthed. Like, where are you from? Obviously, you got to be a hockey guy, you're a music guy. But what was the inspiration that made you want to go take the leap of faith into being a musician?
1: Yeah, born in, you know, SoCal, Los Angeles. My mom uh, was a piano teacher. My dad was an astrophysicist. So I had kind of this parallel lives. Uh, She started me very young uh, at the piano. I was two or three years old. Hmm. And, uh, you know, certain kids have an aptitude for it. And piano is a challenging instrument to learn as an adult. So it's kind of like a language, you know, kids have a way of kind of just uh, embracing language and, and, um, instruments like the piano at a very young age. And I did. Um, And I kind of grew up kind of playing. And when when I was in elementary school, when they cut the funding to music education in in California, my mom kind of went in and did musicals. And I was Tony in West Side Story. And I love musical theater. And we would go see, you know, plays and musicals here at the Music Center in LA. And and I always kind of just love music. And when I got a little older, I I I, I wanted to write songs and and uh, kind of pursue that. And she was very wise. She uh, when I was 13, 14 and wanted to kind of go ride my skateboard and play basketball and chase girls, she let me quit. And so it wasn't drudgery. I didn't have to practice all the time, but I had a basic understanding and fundamentals of piano.
0: Hmm.
1: So I um so I started writing songs because it was fun and I bought a little reel-to-reel tape recorder, and I started doing little productions, and, and I would kind of write songs, and I would record them, and kind of start around 14. At 15, my sister got a guitar for her birthday, so I kind of quickly kind of co-opted her guitar and taught myself a few chords, and kind of from then on, I, I was just kind of writing and playing and recording all the time. Um, even kind of through college, I had my you know, my my recording set up in my in my dorm and, uh, you know, I would play at the high school parties. And when I was 17, I wanted to find Steve Perry's voice teacher because I love Steve Perry. Oh, wow. From Freddy Basalia,
0: Mercury. California. Steve Perry, Yeah,
1: Steve Perry from Journey. And, you know, of course, I love the Freddie Mercury, Steve Perry, the iconic, the iconic singers. So I found him and I started training
0: vocally. Um, oh, you You literally found Steve Perry's vocal coach.
1: I did, yeah, he, he wasn't with him for like multiple years, but he was one of the guys that worked with Steve right when Journey was starting. And, uh, you know, to and, and it was hilarious because once I started going to this guy, he kind of became the voice teacher for the rockers. So I would be there and Axl Rose would pull up or-
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Jack White would pull up or Dawkins would pull up or- Oh my gosh. You know, and, and, then, and then he started working with, you know, um, higher and higher kind of celebrities and singers. But everybody kind of trained classically and so I trained classically as, a, as an opera singer um, because that's kind of what these uh, many of these rock singers do you know Freddie Mercury trained um, classically um, so there was a point actually where I had this kind of choice do I do I go opera or do, do I go rock and roll because I kind of had I kind of had the ability to do rock to do opera but you know my heart was with the Beatles and Prince and James Taylor and The Who and zeppelin so i kind of kind of went that way so um so yeah so you know long story short i struggled 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 like everybody um for years you're a good songwriter not a great singer you're a great singer but you're not a good enough songwriter and um i met this woman named carla berkowitz who was a uh emi publishing kind of executive who was instrumental in getting people record deals and and creating hit songs with writers. And we worked together for a few years. She got me a record deal on EMI Records.
0: Uh, so what year was this?
1: This was the late 90s, like 97. And, um, and it was one of those stories you hear all the time. It, it was, in, 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 initially it was perfect because the president of the label was a guy named David Seegerson. And I love David because he produced one of my favorite records. Was Tori Amos's Little Earthquakes?
0: Oh wow! With um, what was the single on, on that one? Winter. Yeah. I get I get her confused with um, Fiona Apple, but yeah,
1: yeah. You know, Tori again. You know, piano songs, singer songwriter. So when I when I found out this guy who was running a record company produced Tori Amos, I'm like, it's 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 heaven. And not only that he ended up producing my record so we put this record out message for albert which is my first ever record on a record company and like so many you know the uh, the story ends badly he and my yeah. records closed the record company of the beatles closed i always wondered how how could the record company of the beatles close um so that kind of went off the rails but this Carla berkowitz uh, who i eventually married and uh is the mother of my two children and We'll be celebrating our 25th anniversary mm. uh, this September. She kept se- she kept seeing. Thank you. She kept seeding people. My demos. I got a little deal on a, a company called Aware Records. Uh, we we re- released the record. Um, I'd had a I'd had a couple new songs I'd written. We put out a new record. We had no budget. Made the whole record for 50 grand. We'd go into the studio at midnight because we couldn't afford the day rates. And that record had a song called Easy Tonight on it, which they liked.
0: Shotgun firing, nobody's home. I got two dimes in it.
1: See? Yeah. And it's the only song of mine that's ever written on guitar. The first Five for Fighting hit, this piano guy was a guitar song. Hmm. And and so it went out and uh, Aware was through Columbia Records. Columbia didn't even know I was on the label, but it was a number one hit at the AAA radio format. And AAA is kind of where songwriters start. You sell no records there, but you kind of get a presence. And because Easy Tonight was a number one hit, the labels like Columbia Records is, who is this guy? Who is this Five for fighting band? And I'll tell you the Five for fighting story later. Yeah. And, and they said, well, let's let's give another, another song. And they said, what song do you want? And I said, well, I have this little song Superman people seem to like. And they're like, oh, it's too slow. It's too much of a ballad. The male singer songwriter's dead. It's Lil Affair. It's, you know, it's uh, grunge music. It'll never work. And I said, Well, if I get one one last shot, you know, and this is it, and I'm going down in flames, let me go down with this song that seems to be resonating and, and over time, you know, Superman resonated and we're talking today, but that's kind of the long short story of sitting at the piano at two years old to actually having a career and kind of living my life's passion.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, for what it's worth, the first thing, the first song I heard of y'all was not Superman. I remember vividly living in the fraternity house. So this was in, it was like either late 99 or 2000. And Easy Tonight came on. There was a lady named Delilah. Oh, was, yeah. Okay. And it was like, and I was the only weird 19 year old that was sitting there late at night listening to Delilah, trying to find the next Mark Cohn or Bruce Horne's me or yeah. whoever it was. And Easy Tonight came on the radio. And this is before high speed internet, this is before Pandora. And I remember sitting there, I was like, who the hell was this? I don't remember who the name was. And I had to sit there for like six or seven hours to loop back over. And I went through the fraternity house and I was like, okay, I'm, uh, this is, I'm putting my money on, on this group. And to bring it kind of to where you and I ish connected or your team, I was uh, next year in charge of our fraternity philanthropy. And by this time, Superman had come out and, you know, you guys were all over the place. And I got to pick who the musician was. And I don't know if you saw this on my Instagram, but I kind of shared the story the other night. And we got to talking and I was negotiating the contract and then you had a gig come up. So instead of five for fighting, we had naughty by nature, which <laughs> maybe maybe that's your next duet. But um, and so this photo, before we get back to the, to the other story, I've had this with me literally since I was a 20 year old. And oh I've collected music memorabilia since I was three years old and ranging from obviously your stuff to naughty by nature. And, uh, this is the first piece I ever got framed and I've built my entire collection literally around this photo, because I'll never forget what it was like to get this in the mail and have a letter from your team. I just felt, um, I don't know. I felt included. And so, wow. yeah, That's um, crazy.
1: what school did you go to?
0: I went to SMU here in Dallas. Oh, yeah, right on. Right How about on. You? Where'd you I go?
1: I went to UCLA. Um, you know I, I i was a math major because i needed the fallback when uh when the whole career imploded um and uh i actually have a lot of family in texas and my my sister family's in longview and no way I get, yeah i get to dallas a lot you know i'm in texas a lot and uh my
0: family's in longview
1: oh yeah you know yeah. so yeah so i've actually played the vineyards at longview so you know um wow so it's uh yeah, that's cool, man. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm grateful that uh, folks like you you yeah. know, found the band and supported it. And without Easy Tonight, there would have been no Superman. You know, we had. Yeah. Just, I mean, isn't life crazy? You know, these tipping points in life and fate and how things have to line up. And and, you know, so radio didn't want to play Superman. Yeah, you know, that, that song was even over. But there there was a couple of so- program directors that believed in it and stuck with it till it started to research and then because it was different it became a you know a worldwide song but it's just funny in life how the smallest things can can make the difference in dreams and and life trajectories and i've been truly blessed to be able to do this you know for 25 years now
0: yeah um so (laughs) it kind of plays into serendipity and i I think that you know, the life of a singer songwriter, the life of an actor. And I, I was on one of these a few days ago. My roommate back in the day was a guy named Ryan Cabrera, who was a yeah. a pop singer. And I got to learn about the life of a musician up close and I even was his tour manager for a couple of hours. But, you know, in, in my world, it's a statistic as well. I think just in Dallas alone, there's almost 80,000 people that do what I do and trying to stay uh, stay on top of the game is hard, but it also messes with your head and for right. you to go and play high school parties and then to go and be turned down and to be at a label that no one knew about. And then your now wife obviously was your was your literal cheerleader, but w- what was that like? The peaks and the valleys and finally getting to a point where Superman came out, but then realizing that, you know, you kind of have to get back to the grind to stay relevant.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's um, you know, Superman's not a song I could write now. You know, when I wrote Superman, it's not easy to be me. It made sense because here was I was in my mid-20s. I just wanted to be heard. Um, it's um it's frustrating. You get every door slammed in your face, but you feel, you know, you feel you have something to say. So you understand the frustration of a young songwriter, like any young artist. Yeah. Um, as you as an actor, you you lived it, you understand it. Um, because of Superman and, and because of what it's meant and other songs, you know, I've met people with real challenges.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, today I couldn't write Superman. I could write hundred years today, but I have learned um, and I've been blessed to be able to use the song and and, you know, shine light, raise money for a lot of causes. And um, but to again, to to be able to live your dream um, is a true blessing. And, and I still pinch myself when I hear my songs, you know, in Home Depot or whatever. But yeah. you're right, when Superman became what it did, I had this you know, incredible pressure of how do you follow that?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it wasn't just a hit song, it was 9-11. It was the concert for New York. It, it had a meaning to the culture that no other song I write the rest of my life could ever do. Um, and so that was a lot of weight, a lot of pressure. And it took a couple of years. Um, I made another record. We really didn't have the single to follow Superman. There was a big fight with the label, and and what do you do? What do you do? And and I think out of that pressure came Hundred Years, um, and then once Hundred Years became what it was, then I felt okay. I'm gonna do this for a while, yeah. um, and I never had the hit songs like those two, but I had other songs that resonated, and it's allowed me to do a summer tour this summer, and yeah. people are still coming. Those 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 couple songs. But um, there was a lot of pressure to follow Superman. You know, success can bring its own stress. Again, yeah, you, you, you work in an industry. I do keynotes for real estate um, agents and companies across the nation. And, you know, just like the real estate industry, you know, the music industry, there's millions of people trying to raise their hand and separate themselves from the pack. Yeah. You know, how do you do that? Um, and it's a lot of it's, you know, being true to yourself and, and your values and your work ethic. And all of those things factor into my success. I have a little bit of talent, not as much as most people. I can write a song, but I attribute most of my success to things that have nothing to do with music. It's perseverance, yeah. it's work ethic, it's relationships. It's all the things that anybody who's successful uh, works at. Yeah. And to this day, I still follow that kind of mantra.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I can appreciate that. But um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll sidestep that with, I, I think I, confident, I confidently probably know every single song and, um, you know, the cadence of even your live albums, but their <laughs> songs, you know, so you said a hundred years and Superman are kind of on your Mount Rushmore of successful songs. Which ones have you written and performed and released that you're shocked did not become, you know, a, a top 10 hit?
1: Uh, well, we thought the riddle was on its way to being, a it was actually a top 10 um, hot AC hit. We thought the riddle would do better than it did. Um, it was still a hit song, but it wasn't like those two. Yeah. Um, we thought "World" actually would be. It's funny, the "World" story. "World" was on its way to being another popular song, but John Mayer had "Waiting for the World to Change," yeah. and I was on the same label as as John, and um, the record company actually made a choice. They said, "Where are we going to put the resources?" And of course, it's behind John Mayer because the guy was, you know, coming into an iconic career at the time and was selling millions of records. So. I think that kind of pushed world to the side, but um, you know, the other songs, you know, I, I didn't, you know, have a sense that uh, you know, Chances was a big song because of the blind side. Um, But again, I never kind of got consumed in just the, the wannabe hit songs. You know, for me, a lot of my favorite songs are songs that never could have gone on the radio, never would go on the radio. And frankly, the closest thing I've seen to a Superman reaction, since Superman is this new song for Ukraine. Um, When I used to play Superman, I'd play, you know, like anybody, I'd take any gig anywhere, anytime. And most people would not know any of my songs. And I remember I'd play Superman and people would react to hearing a song the first time. It's very rare. Usually we need to hear the songs a bunch of times for it to click in our brains. But this one song, Can One Man Save the World? Reminds me of Superman, where people are hearing it one time and having that reaction. So it's actually kind of bringing me back to the future hmm. um, when Superman kind of let me know that if you're going to go down with one song, this is the song. Um, but yeah, you know, you never know with songs, you never know with the zeitgeist of, of the country. I had the right timing. Uh, people were looking for kind of piano singer songwriters again, back to the Elton Billy days. Not that I'd ever put myself in their, in their level. No you know, Superman was different. But and, you're,
0: um, but, but you, you are our generations, Billy Joel and Elton John. And, but I mean, that's, and, and I mentioned, you know, Mark Cohen, Bruce Hornsby and yeah. the, these other people, but you really are. And I think the only other artist that I can t- name off the top of my head that has really leveraged the piano in the last 30 years is a guy named Phil Basser, who mm. was more of a songwriter, but he actually is a, you know, he's a, he's got a good country voice as well, but you really are our generations, Billy Joel and Elton John.
1: Well, yeah, again, you know, you mentioned Hornsby, you know, there's Ben Folds, of course. Um, Mark, um, of course, the difference between us and Billy and Elton is we don't have 40 songs you all can sing anytime, anywhere.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know? but that's but that, that's also the element of, of the late 60s and the 70s and the 80s is that people, you know, like they would buy an album, they would obsess over the album and Glass Houses would go number one and Benny and the Jets would go number one. And that there wasn't as much out there. And I think that a movie like Almost Famous kind of teaches people what it was really like back then, where frankly, I think it was easier for people to make it massive. And
1: yeah, no, I mean, of course, I mean, that was before we had so many things to do with our dollar and content and people would line up for records. And yeah, you would sell 10 million records with one hit song. I kind of caught the last wave Uh, when Superman came out in 2001. The record industry sold the most records they'd ever did. And then Napster came and it all went off the cliff. So I, I literally caught the last wave of, of, you know, the economy of the music business. And it's taken them almost 20 years to kind of catch up. They still haven't really caught up, yeah. but, but you're right. It's a different time. You know, again, I, I just think Elton is one of the master melodists that's ever
0: lived. Oh, I agree. Billy's I-
1: Billy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think all of us, who had piano hits in the 2000s can certainly point to to those two guys you know also of course McCartney Joni Mistral go down the list as as being influences and I certainly my first concert was Glass House's Billy Joel the Forum in LA 14 years old and Mm. uh, since then I've seen Elton and Billy you know a dozen times and got to meet Billy at the concert for
0: New York and you've played with uh, him and Elton haven't you?
1: Elton played at the concert for New York. I got to spend a few minutes with 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 they call him Bill. I oh. called him, I called him Mr. Joel. Oh, um, William. And, uh, yeah. And uh, just to say thank you. But um, but yeah, you know, the 70s is where it's at. It's still yeah. where it's at. That's where the great songs are.
0: But before I forget, fun fact, 2021 was the first year since 1983 that vinyl records sold more than CDs. And so, I I think that 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 trend is coming back to the tangible music experience where you can touch it, you can feel it, you can explain it. And for a singer songwriter like you and a piano player, I think that's going to even be a bigger wave because people can actually connect with you. I heard a few years ago, my mentor forever has been trying to get me to become a a book reader, and it's never going to happen because I love music too much. But he told me, when you find a good book that you love, you're having a conversation with the author. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I listen to a five for fighting song, one of your songs, I feel like I'm having a conversation with you about the song, because I think that you're part of a dying breed as well, where you're actually writing the songs that you're singing, which connects you to them right. like Superman did. So, okay. Here's a fun music question. You're on a, a deserted Island. You're only allowed one song, actually two songs. You're only allowed one of your songs and you're allowed someone else's song to play on repeat forever. What are the two songs? And we're going to yeah. start with, with your song first.
1: Well, I could take 20 minutes to answer this question. I mean, the easy answer is hundred years. Because I can grow up with it. I wrote it in my mid 20s, a little late later 20s, um, with two little kids, you know, now I'm in the bridge, one day I'll be in the vamp. Mm -hmm. I never get tired of singing that song so I kind of live with it. The other questions hard because any song I pick that I'd have to listen to for the rest of eternity I would eventually hate.
0: well, it doesn't have to be. It's not on loop, can, but it's you have access to one song. I'll, I'll tell you mine. Mine would be the weight by the band. I, OK, I, so
1: it's it's hard, you know, because, you know, I love Zeppelin. I love the Beatles. I love I love, you know, one by U2 is a wonderful song. Um, I used to play one by U2 all the time. But again, I am such a Beatle file. Um, it could be Let It Be. It could be Long and Winding Road. Um, probably wouldn't be an elton song because then i'd you know billy would be mad at me and it would be a billy song because elton would be mad at me not that That's they'd smart. be mad at me but i'd be mad at myself
0: yeah um political i like it
1: yeah so you know again everyday changes i'll just say long and winding road because we're here and it's such a beautiful melody and and uh a brilliant song
0: i love it um it's a fantastic song. And before I forget, I got to tell you, first of all, the song won by you two, To the best of my knowledge, it's about Bono's love for his bandmates and how no matter what, no matter how successful they got, they would never become unband- disbanded. So I thought that was great. But my second funny story, if you get bored and you go to my Instagram, like three months ago, right before we had our first child, people just know I'm into music. And I got a phone call and they said, hey, come to this Tex-Mex restaurant. Bono is here. So I literally mm-hmm. dropped everything. I raced there. I get to the front of the line, do my thing. And get a photo with him come to find out it's fake Bono and so um one, one of literally the best moments of my life and then one of the worst moments of my life when my mom called and said Rogers zoom in on his ears it's not him and then uh ended up if you get bored go to bonodouble.com okay so Beatles uh Bill Joel Elton John um all all, all the big superstars you're, you're forming a super group Who, who's in your band? And it, it doesn't it don't have, have to be harmony, but who, who, who's your bassist? Who's your guitar player? Who plays backup piano? Who, who's in the band?
1: Okay. My bass player is my buddy, Rudy Sarzo. Rudy Sarzo uh, was in Quiet Riot, White Snake, wow. and, uh, and Ozzy Osbourne. I met him in Malibu. I was just out of college, and we were kind of staying in the same kind of complex in Malibu, and I'd meet this guy by the pool. I knew he was a rock star. I could tell. And he was my almost famous guy. He took an interest in me. He loved songwriting. He loved my songs. He was a closet Barry Manilow fan. No way. His his claim to fame was licking his bass in his videos, but he would take me to these concerts with white snake when it was like white snake. Here I go. Yeah. and And so I would be the little kid in the elevator and they'd say, all right, come on, you can't go into that room, but you can come into this room. And he was so supportive of me. Um, at, at that age, so Rudy would be one. the The guitar player would be similar. A guy named Scott Sheets. Scott Sheets was Pat Benatar's, wow, uh, guitar player with Neil, and wrote Fire and Ice. And I actually met him very uh, early, out of college, and I actually joined a band with him. It was me and all the ex members of Pat Benatar. I was twenty two. They were all forty, and no we, write, we were writing songs, and we were going to get a record deal, and. And then Nirvana came out and everything ended for, for pop hair bands. Thank mm. God for me, because then I went back to the piano. There so it would be, um, it would be Scott on guitar, Rudy on, on bass. Drums, you know. It pro- I couldn't get John Bonham, so I'll take his son.
0: <laughs> Jason <laughs> I'll, Bonham.
1: I'll take Jason because whenever you think drums, you think the Bonhams. So um, as far as piano goes, uh, you know, Bruce Hornsby, to me, is just such a wonderful melodist, and he has a piano sound. He's one of the few people, if anybody, that when you hear the piano, you know who it's playing. Yeah. You know, part of it is the piano. Part of it is how he plays. But he is such an iconic artist as a piano player. Um, you know, he alone would steal the show. So that would be, that would be my, uh, my five for five in rock band.
0: I, I, what are you going to call the next group
1: <laughs> two for two for tripping i don't know <laughs> two, two, two for tripping i like yeah. it um
0: so you mentioned bruce Hornsby, and i obviously have given multiple um credits to how much you mean to me and to our generation but what do you think shifted in music why do you think like right after you know the early 2000s this the people like you that are truly talented it's not necessarily the ones that the, the millennials are listening to right now on repeat. What what do you think the turning point was for music?
1: Well, people talk about this a lot. A lot of people blame MTV um, because it became more about the image of of the artists and the songs and the bands, not the songwriting, not the songs. Um, I think there's something to that, um, that, um, that, you know, that the image is everything. I want my MTV, uh, drove that. Um, I also think the, the, the money coming out of the music industry uh, hurt a lot because people don't realize, you know, Bruce Springsteen broke on his third record. So there used to be this thing called tour support where you could find a young artist, nurture them, put them on the road, let them fail, go back to the drawing board, get out there again, play a thousand shows before you're on The Tonight Show. That all went away literally overnight. So there was really no artist development. And then I think technology, you know, technology came along and drum machines and, and all of a sudden, you know, you have 10 people writing a song, you know, these days. And, and there's not like the artist sitting there with a band or by themselves creating their song. It became much easier to, to make a song without playing an instrument or even singing well with auto-tune. So, um, and then of course the crash of, of the internet and, and there are so many options to, for your entertainment dollar. Um, it wasn't just music or sports or books. So, you know, people were think, I think were less interested in being a musician. Um, so I think all of those things kind of led to the, I wouldn't say the end, but certainly the margin of marginalization of the singer songwriter yeah, um, which to me is sad because I'm a music fan and we need songs to document our time in history. You know, you listen to the 60s, you have a sense of that time through music, the 70s, even the 80s, you know, 90s. But these days, I don't know if there's a lot of songs where in 50 years, people will go back and go, oh, that was the song of the times. No. that really defined the times because very few artists are writing their own songs with their own vision.
0: Then who do you even think that, I mean, in the last 15 years, who's who are the best new artists? I mean, obviously Adele. Um,
1: yeah, but even Adele co writes a lot of her songs. Um, yeah. She's an iconic singer, you know, she's, there are a few singers, um, who them singing your song, make it better. Usually the song stands its own, like Paul McCartney is a great singer, but he's not an iconic singer, but he has the great songs. You know, Adele, Barbra Streisand, Aretha Franklin, they can take a song and add a value to it. Um, and Freddie Mercury, you know, go down the list. Um, they can do that. You know, Ray LaMontagne, I love his voice. Yeah. I think he writes beautiful songs. Yeah. You know, certainly there's people that are still doing it.
0: Um, well, why, why is he not a superstar? Why is his name like other than you are the best thing and, and Jolene, why are people not talking about Ray LaMontagne every single day?
1: Well, I think in some circles they are. I mean, the guy can sell out five thousand seat theaters. I mean, to me, you know, I'd rather sell out a five thousand seat theater than have a hit song. I'd rather be Dave Matthews than Five for Fighting. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, the dude can do it for for as long as he wants. But I think his songs, they're they're a little sophisticated. They're not top yeah. 40 songs. They're not gonna be hit songs on the radio. They'll dominate the, you know, the triple A formats, but he doesn't have radio. I also think he's a guy that's not into self-promotion yeah um, so much of success today is being able to promote yourself on social media yeah and, and you know he's kind of the opposite of that which which makes him cool and 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 makes him legit but, but you um, act
0: you actually just got instagram a few months ago
1: i, I, I kind of bit the bullet you know <laughs> it's like it the reality is it's actually i didn't get it my 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 string quartet md Katie said, you have to do Instagram because people need to know where you're going and we're doing these shows and they need to see you. And if uh, it's tough to sell tickets these days. So, you know, I've always done the hellscape that's Twitter, um, but I hardly talk about music there. I talk about all my other stuff I'm doing. Um, And I just, it's not in my nature to want to do it, but I I understand um, the necessity of it. You kind of, you know, talk about separating yourself, let people know. So we're really starting to focus on, on that. And also I wanted, I wanted a space that was just about the music, you know, you know, I certainly, I certainly walk the political line. I have, I have a lot of causes I support, especially this year. I've written two songs one about Afghanistan. one about Ukraine? I want people to have a space so they can go where it's, if they don't want to deal with all that other stuff, it can just be about the music. And that's what the Instagram, you know, page is going to be. Um, So yeah, so we're doing it. But again, it's not in my nature to do it. And that's why you hire somebody or you just kind of like kick and scream and and do the best you can.
0: Well, here's the question I've been wanting to ask. How in the hell did you follow me on Instagram? I woke up and I thought somebody was messing with me. I was like, Five for Fighting is following me on Instagram. Was that just a literal random happenstance?
1: No, that's, you know, that's me and Katie. You know, we, part of doing it is interacting with the people that follow you, you know? um. I remember when Twitter came out, <laughs> I had a friend, Andrew Breitbart, and he would always follow the people with the least followers huh. because those were like real fans. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, you, you know, it's great. I have friends that have millions of followers when they retweet your song. But again, that's the business side of it. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of want to be able to interact with, um, I remember AOL Instant Messenger. Remember oh, that 200 oh, years ago?
0: Rogers H75, duh. I would
1: kind of, you know, 100 years Superman days, I would kind of open that up and I would just talk to fans and, and mm. see what they're thinking, see, you know, what they like, what they don't like, what other songs are they listening to? Just be able to have that kind of interaction. So I think it's the same way, you know, with, with Instagram. It's like, yeah, you need to build it and that whole thing. But if you're going to do it, you might as well, you know, connect with, yeah. with the real fans out there.
0: I love it. Who, who are you a big fan of right now? Who, who have you, I mean, back to the question of the last 15 years, other than Ray LaMontagne, who's been around a little bit longer than that. But if you're going to go enlighten the next generation and, and try to pass the torch to somebody, who's your pick?
1: You know, I, I, I wish I had a great answer for you. I'm so kind of lost in my decades of yeah. music formation. Um, I listen to classic rock. I listen to Motown. Same. um i i still kind of in that world you know we we've talked about adele i do think she is kind of the singer of the ages yeah um i do love her i love what she's doing um i hope that she continues you know to to do it she is a very good songwriter um but you know like i just listen to like kind of what my kids are are listening to and i'm like oh who's that and and who's that and and uh it's uh you know it's uh they kind of educate me. I actually think Eminem, you know, is, yeah. is a beautiful poet. Um, I don't agree with everything he says all the time, but who should, who does? It's yeah. America. But I think as a poet, um, a lot of his, 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 his lyrics uh, impress me. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's harder when you kind of get older and you're the curmudgeon and and you're not listening to a lot of new music. You kind of just stay in your world, and I guess I'm just happy there
0: in the '70s. I got I got a guy for you. His name is Teddy Swims. Oh, uh, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard him. yep. He, he's really good. He plays piano. He, he he doesn't look the part of what his voice sounds like, but he got famous from singing uh, Shania Twain's cover. You're still the one. And another guy for you is Ben Rector. If you haven't heard, I know Ben. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've been following Ben for a really, really long time, but Teddy swims, I think is going to be a breakout star if he's not already, but, um, okay. So, uh, another thing that I really admire about you, obviously you're a, a family man. You got your 25th anniversary coming up in September, but when the song, I just love you came out, I remember hearing that I was very single. I didn't get married till I was 40, had my first child at 42, but to me, that was an ode to your children. And um, so i'm I'm gonna go off music here, and I'm gonna ask you for your fatherhood advice. tell me tell me what you think makes up a great dad.
1: well, you're you're asking at the right time, you know, coming off Father's Day. and my daughter, oh, yeah. my daughter's actually turning twenty one. Oh my God. Uh, in a week. And wow. yes, I wrote "I just love you for her when she was four years old.
0: Oh my God. And
1: uh, I tell the story every time I play it about where the song came from. And you can actually see in my records and my music when I had children, Hmm. because the songs started being much less about me and more about them and more about the world they're growing up in. You know, songs like I Just Love You, songs like What Kind of World Do You Want? You know, they're different than, you know, than the early songs that were, you know, selfish in a good way, um, like Superman. But I think, you know, And it's hard for me to say this i think as a father as a parent you have to realize that the your kids are not going to grow up as images of yourself yeah and you may have expectations for them that you have of yourself that it's just not in their nature um they have other things they have other qualities um, that are equally beautiful that maybe you don't have um so i think it's you know love them certainly um i think you need to hold them accountable Mm -hmm. For their actions, but they're going to make mistakes just like we did. Um, but, uh, but they're their own person. And, and my daughter is so much different than my son. Mm. They're both musical, but as, as people, she is, she'll be the first one to walk on a stage and sing you a song and he'll be, you know, behind the bar, you know, you know, you know, incognito. Um, but they're both wonderful people with wonderful traits and, and, uh, but just love them with all your heart and understand they're not going to be you and they shouldn't be you they are themselves
0: what song did you sing them as kids well thank god for superman it was the
1: only song that would put my daughter to sleep <laughs> uh, and uh and uh and many parents you owe me for that one yeah uh, but um but yeah i wrote a song called the hoppy song it was a little kind of uh little fun song on a children's record hmm. that uh, i wrote when they were very young because because cause we wanted fun songs to sing. So we would sing the hoppity song, but most of the songs we'd sing wouldn't be my songs. They'd be other people's songs and Carly Simon songs or
0: Hall you know. of rock and roll hall of famer, Carly, Carly, Simon.
1: Yeah. You're so vain or, you know, the weird song to sing with your kids, but that's what my parents sang with us. So, you know, wow. you just got to pass the torch.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to ask you two more questions. One that you All said, right. we'd come back to um, the name five for fighting, obviously see the Luke Robitaille Jersey in the back, but, um, there's a little
1: Stanley Cup back there the Stanley Cup signed by every member of the 2012 Los Angeles Kings Stanley Cup champions Wow! Um, so as we talked about when when, um, when EMI uh, signed me and I, and I made the record with Davit it was the age of, of little fair boy bands grunge, grunge music and they said you know the, the singer songwriter is a kiss of death you need to have a band name you need to go out under a band name and of course you know i was kind of annoyed uh i was a little insulted but i also knew you know i got no leverage <laughs> so yeah. so i just gone to uh to a hockey game and, and there's a guy named marty mcsorley who was wayne gretzky's bodyguard and got in a big fight with with a couple guys so when they asked me for a band name i sarcastically said five for fighting expecting them to hate it they said we love it uh, i said you're crazy and uh, <laughs> And, and I said, it sounds like we should be opening for Metallica. It doesn't reflect the music. But off we went for Five for Fighting. And then, uh, obviously, when Superman, you know, became what it was, huh. the name wasn't going to change. Uh, so I've been Five for Fighting ever since. And, you know, the blessing is, is that it's really been about the songs, not the guy. Yeah. And, and also, I can get into pretty much any hockey game anywhere in the country. at Noted. Uh, almost notice. I um, like that. So, yeah, so it's, it's you know, the disconnect between – The band name, the band that there's no band is this guy, John, um, has, I think, from a commercial standpoint, probably cost the labels a few million records just because the disconnect of the songwriter and the songs. But for me, it's been great because it's just allowed me to, you know, be the dad, work at the family business, do my songs, do my music, you know, go to Ukraine, do whatever it is I want to do without a lot of the pressure of, of, you know, celebrity. Um, So so yeah and, and we're as we talk we're in the middle of the stanley cup finals so it's a it's a good time for hockey
0: yeah which which is my cue to, to wrap it up um before i forget <laughs> one of one of my best friends is a well-known enforcer uh, hockey guy named chris pronger and um
1: hey he was more than an enforcer chris pronger was a great hockey player
0: he's a great hockey player he's great. also he i'm six foot five and he's got me by an inch and a half thankfully yeah. i don't i don't skate but um yeah, I, I first heard of Chris, I knew of Chris, because I played video games in college, and he was always the one that looked like a fake character, because he would just trump everybody else on his skates. But when you said McSorley, it made me think of Chris Pronger.
1: Great player.
0: Yeah. Last question. Um, music. The, the, what does music mean to you? If you had to go and define music to somebody, what is it?
1: It's many things. Um, and the beautiful thing about music is that we take it and make it our own. Um, certainly from my part of view, it's an expression, but also for me, it's, it's a solace when I listen to other people's music. Um, I remember when Superman became a hit, I started interacting with many of our troops overseas and I was fascinated to see how they would all all use the song differently. Mm. Same song, but some would use it to escape. Some would use it to pump themselves up. Some would use it to focus. Um, some would use it to cry. Some would use it to be stoic. and and, and it really hit me how you know when we write songs and put them out there they're really not our songs anymore and people take them and use them how they need to and i think that's different than any other mediums um you know whether it's with books films um paintings i think are a lot closer to music than some of the other mediums but you know music is an expression and it's also a common language you know i was over in ukraine couple of weeks ago playing the new song and you'll hear more about that you know in a few weeks but many of the people there that I was playing with and many around the settings they did not speak English they didn't understand the words but they felt the music and the intent and the seriousness of and the poignancy of the music and they were crying and they were shouting and mm-hmm. they were hugging and I think only music does that because it is a true universal language. And that's why for me, it has been the blessing of my life.
0: I love it. And I think that that's how we end it. Uh, John, this is uh, my selfish. Last question is, do you want to be my friend? And, and <laughs> ho- hopefully we're we'll, already we'll,
1: friends. <laughs> I, I like it.
0: But um, yeah, thank you for the gift of your time and for the gift of your music and for people that are. Purists and uh, want to pass the torch. I, I really do feel like you are our generation's uh, piano man and, and songwriter and storyteller. So, on behalf of all of us, thank you. And I'm really excited to get this interview out into the world, and so people can uh, get to know you a, a little bit more and a little bit differently. So, thank you so much for this gift and for for being my friend and for allowing a crazy message on social media to end up turning into something this beautiful. So, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Roger. It's been a pleasure and. Uh... It's great to finally meet you in person. You too. Hey, it's Sean Andrasik from Five for Welcome to Roger's Music Tour. Let's rock!